Thank you, John. Thank you, Church. Great to be with you. Uh, great to be with those of you in the room and also those of you watching at home. Uh, as John said, we're in this series called Battle Ready. Battle Ready. If you are a Christian, you are in a battle. That's true. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you like it or not, the question is, how do we respond to that battle? Just before I was married, back in 2004, I went on a stag weekend with nine or ten really good friends, or I thought they were really good friends. We went paintballing, and it was all going really, really well, but then right near the end, the instructor said that as it was my stag weekend, for the last ten minutes of the session, it was going to be all of them against me. And so I looked at my friends, and I saw the loaded paintball guns in their hands, and I saw the slightly menacing smiles on their faces, and I knew that I was in trouble. So I did what any self-respecting person would do in that situation. I ran. I was out of there. I ran towards the woods to find the biggest tree that I could find to hide behind. Needless to say, they found me within seconds. And I spent the next 10 minutes being pelted out with paint. And the next few days recovering from the bruises. As Christians, we are in a battle. And Paul encourages us not to run, but to stand but to stand. Who is our battle against? Well, it's clear in that passage that we just read together. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a spiritual battle with the devil. We have a very real enemy who hates God. And if you love Jesus, he hates you too. And he wants to rob you of the joy and the freedom of the salvation that Jesus has won for you. And so he'll do everything he can to take your mind off of the truth and your eyes off of Jesus. And he's very, very good at it. How are your defences? Are you battle ready? In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, there's a moment in the second book where the, the forces of darkness are approaching. And so Feodan, the king, he leads his people to Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep is this huge, seemingly impenetrable fortress cut into the rock. And he does that because he thinks there's safety there. But if you've seen the film, this army of 10,000 orcs descends on them, set on destruction. And it's night time and it's pouring with rain. And within just a short space of time, they break through the defences. This fortress is breached. And the king is despondent. He says, what can men do against such reckless hate? What can men do against such reckless hate? And sometimes when we experience the height of the spiritual battle, it can feel just as hopeless. The enemy seems too powerful. He seems too wily. He comes at us day and night when we're at our most vulnerable. And he just seems to know us too well. He knows exactly which buttons to press and what can bring us down. What can we do against such reckless hate? Well, the good news is this, we're not going to focus too much on the enemy today. Instead, I want to encourage you that there's really, really good news for the church. And the good news is this, that God has equipped us. He's equipped the church and he's equipped you, if you're a follower of Jesus, with everything that you need to stand. Verse 11 of the passage we just read says, Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the different elements of this armour. We're going to take this armour apart piece by piece to see how each part of this helps us. But this morning, I really just want to make two general points about this. 
And the first point is this, that God has given you his armour. God has given you his armour. See, I don't know about you, but I have always found the idea of the armour, the imagery of the armour of God, quite hard to grasp and quite hard to ground. I mean, I understand it. I understand what armour does. I get it. I just find it can be a bit detached from the reality of my everyday life, of getting up in the morning and going out to work and family life and life in relationships with people. What does this armour look like and what does it mean to put it on? Well, Tim Keller puts it like this. He says, the armour of God is the benefits and the privileges and the freedoms that you have in the gospel. It's the benefits and the privileges and the freedoms that you have in the gospel. That's what it is. So to put on the armour of God is to step into and to stand in the truth of what God has already done for you through Jesus. So what has God done for us? We're going to look briefly at a passage in in Isaiah, in Isaiah 59. And just before I read this, just to set the context, in the, the early part of this chapter, the early part of Isaiah 59... Isaiah has prophesied about the state of humanity. And he paints this vivid picture of a world that has turned away from God. So in Isaiah 59 verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. In verse 3, he talks about hands stained with blood, fingers with guilt. Verse 12 says, Our offences are many in your sight. Our sins testify against us. And then in verse 14, justice is turned back righteousness stands far away, truth has stumbled in the streets. It's this pretty bleak picture of the guilt of mankind. But then comes the truth of what God does about it. So Isaiah 59 verse 15 says this, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And it goes on to say in verse 20, the Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. So you get this picture of the Lord himself in this armour, almost like a, a fully armed warrior, a warrior who steps in and achieves what no one else could achieve. A God who is so offended by sin that he personally opposes it with all his might. I love that line, his own arm achieved salvation for him. God himself rescues his people. And ultimately, of course, this is a prophecy of what God will do through Jesus. It's a picture of the gospel. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That is what God has done for us. That out of love, God comes, he takes on flesh And he lives the perfect life of truth and righteousness and justice and grace and compassion, the life that we fail to live. And then he chooses the cross. And on the cross, the perfect wrath of God falls on him and not on us. He gets what we deserve, shame and death. And we, if we put our trust in Jesus for our salvation, we get what he deserves. We're covered in the righteousness of Jesus. The favour of God is on us. We're adopted into his family as beloved sons and daughters. We have eternal life 
because of the salvation that he has won for us. He's done it. It is finished. His victory is complete and the enemy is defeated. Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I mean, no wonder the powers of darkness hate him. This is what God has done for you. That's the gospel. And now having conquered death and darkness, he gives you his armour to wear. To put on the armour of God is to live in the benefits and privileges and freedom of the gospel. It's to think differently and act differently based on the truth of what Jesus has done, that he lived for us and he died for us. So what does that look like? Well, the enemy will attack you in different ways. He'll prey on your vulnerabilities. And you know, sometimes it will start with a truth that he has twisted. Because we all have tough days sometimes, don't we? When things are hard, when we're at our limit. And perhaps we drop the ball on something. But then that whisper comes. Well, it's not the first time you've messed up, is it? In fact, if we're counting, it's the third or fourth thing you've done even today. Actually, everything you touch goes wrong. You've always been a bit of a failure. Not like him. Not like her. She wouldn't mess up like you did. What is that? It's the lies of the enemy. He accuses, he twists truth. You make a mistake and suddenly you're lost in self-loathing. But don't go there. Don't entertain those thoughts. God has given you his armour. You are a child of God. Your identity isn't what you have or haven't accomplished. Your own performance will never be enough. But Jesus has lived the perfect life on your behalf. Trust in his performance and not yours. Or maybe the attack comes in the hurt of unanswered prayer. You prayed for something, you really wanted something, you had faith for something, and it didn't work out. But then in the hurt, when you're at your most vulnerable, then comes the lie. If you prayed more, this wouldn't have happened. Or if you'd fasted properly. Have you heard the way that person prays? Their prayers are amazing. Not like your rubbish prayers. They're a much better Christian than you are. Why do you bother with church anyway? No one likes you there. They only part up with you because they feel sorry for you. Take a week off. Stay away from church this week. And you know, before you know it, you've withdrawn from everything. You've withdrawn from your friends. You've withdrawn from church. You've withdrawn from small group. Everything that's important to you because of the attack of the enemy. He twists the truth. He tempts us. He accuses us. You know, it's not new. It's what he's always done. 1 Peter 5 verse 9 says, Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is how the enemy operates. As John said last week, he can't rob us of our salvation, but he will do everything he can to stop you from enjoying it. But God has given you his armour. Know the truth that you're chosen, you're saved, you're loved. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And your identity and your purpose come from him. Stand in his truth and his righteousness. This is God's own armour. It's been forged by God and proven in battle. And now it's given to you. 
This armor works in the spiritual battle. It's the only thing that does. It only works for Christians, mind. If you're not a Christian, you can't respond like this. The Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those who aren't followers of Jesus. The armor of God doesn't fit if you're not a Christian. You can't stand in Jesus' righteousness if you haven't accepted his death on your behalf. If you're trusting in yourself, where do you go when life is tough? You have to rely on your own strength and your own goodness. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to ask God to speak to you. Ask him how he sees you. He loves you. Ask him to reveal Jesus to you, to show you who he is and what he has won for you. But if you are a Christian, you have everything you need. God knows firsthand the reality of the battle because he's lived it. And he hasn't sent you out there unarmed. He's given you everything you need to stand. He's given you his armour. That's the first thing. And the second point is this, and it sounds really obvious, but you have to put it on. You have to put the armour on. See, that is the thing with armour. It's all very well having it, but it's useless unless you wear it. The strongest helmet won't protect you if it's lying on the floor. The most powerful sword can do nothing unless you wield it. We have to apply this stuff. The theologian, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, put it like this. He said, faith is an activity. It's something that has to be exercised. See, Jesus has done everything that he can for us. It's finished. And he's filled the church with his Holy Spirit. He has equipped us. But now we have to make the daily choice to stand in this truth, to put on the armour. When do we put it on? Well, Sundays actually are great for this. We come back and remind ourselves of the same gospel story week in, week out. We remind ourselves of what Jesus has done. This is armouring up time so we can face the week. But actually, every day of the week, we can do the same. We can start by putting on the armour of God. And you might say to me, actually, my life feels pretty good right now. For those people that are going through tough times, I get that they need the armour. But for me, actually, life doesn't feel like a battle And if that's you, I want to tell you that the tough times are going to come. And I'm no expert in warfare, but I do know that it's best to put on the armour before the battle. See, when the enemy is coming at you and attacking you, you can't say, just bear with me a second while I get my shield. That's not how warfare works. Paul says, therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. We have to put this on now. We have to get the truth so into us that it is part of us, that it's our natural response when the battle comes. So how do we do that? These things always require discipline day after day. It's having that regular time to read the Bible, not just to read it, but to let the truth sink deep into us and become part of us. To fight with truth, we have to first know the truth. And you know, even that is a battle, isn't it? Sometimes even opening our Bible instead of doing other things is a battle. The last thing the enemy wants is for us to get this truth into us. Memorising scripture. You know, that's not just something we have to do. It's a box to tick. It's about armouring up. Taking time to pray. Bringing everything to God. Speaking to him about what's going on in our lives. But also listening to what he says about us. Asking him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, slowing down and letting him breathe his life into us. That is armouring up. And these things require discipline. Leon Morris says, you can drift into sin, but not 
into righteousness. This requires discipline day after day. It's speaking truth to ourselves. Some of us, you know, spend way too much time listening to the accusations of the enemy and far too little time preaching to ourselves about who God says we are. And it's reflecting on how we respond in the tough times. The author, J.D. Peabody, writes a book called Perfectly Suited, The Armour of God for the Anxious Mind. And he wrote this book at a point in his life where he was so gripped with fear and anxiety that he was almost at the point of meltdown. Don't we know that even as Christians, the critical voices in our heads can sometimes be overwhelming? And he makes the point that putting on the armour of God means taking off some of the natural defences that we've built up in our lives to shield and protect ourselves from pain. He writes this, I have multiple options I go to regularly when I am in self-preservation mode. I call it the armour of me, which includes the belt of denial, the breastplate of humour, feet ready with a plan of escape, the shield of perfectionism, the helmet of avoidance, and the sword of blame. My armour has many additional elements that God's doesn't offer, such as the shoulder pads of delusion, the face mask of people-pleasing, and the shin guards of distraction. Maybe you recognise some of those things. But we all have defences like these, don't we? Things that we've always surrounded ourselves in to protect us from life. And they can be really useful. They're coping strategies. The problem is when they become so ingrained that they're our response in the tough times. Here's the problem. You can't wear two suits of armour. I can't hold the shield of faith and the shield of perfectionism at the same time. To put on the armour of God, I need to remove the armour of rich horn. See, I know that actually when, when life is really tough and I'm in the battle, I can easily get defensive and prickly and sarcastic. My natural response is to wallow in self-pity and get away from people. I just want to hide and withdraw and not answer my phone. What do we do about this stuff? Well, how do we address it? We, it requires reflection to think about our own armour, to think about how we respond. And over the course of this series, for some of us, and me included, it's a chance to think about some of the ways we naturally protect ourselves and to ask God to help us let go of some of these things and instead to put on the armour of God, the armour that he's given us, to trust in his righteousness, to wrap ourselves in his truth, to fight with his word. And of course, in all of this spiritual warfare, we need each other. We need each other. You know, we don't see it in the English translation of Ephesians 6, but commentators say the language of Paul's encouragement about the armour of God is plural. Actually, this is about the church collectively putting on the armour and standing together. Because sometimes we can be so entrenched in the battle that we just can't see clearly for ourselves. Those seasons when the enemy's attacks are particularly relentless and our vision of truth is blurred and mixed up with lies. And in these times, we need other people to help us lift on the armour. I know people in our church family right now who are going through some incredibly tough things who would say, I just don't know how I get through this without the support of the church family. Without other brothers and sisters to remind them of the truth and help them to see Jesus in the darkest of moments. Church, we need each other. 
Because this is warfare. And ultimately, wars aren't fought between individual soldiers. They're fought between armies. Armies of soldiers who are committed to one another. Do you have that? Do you have those people around you who you share life with, the hard bits as well as the good bits? People who will speak truth to you when life is really tough. When you can't see Jesus for yourself, they'll, they'll point you to him. Do you have that? Who is alongside you? Who's got your back? And are you doing that for other people? If you're not yet part of a small group, I want to encourage you to get stuck into one. Our current groups are running for the next few weeks. Then we're going to pause and then start again at the end of February. Get into a small group. We need each other. And of course, part of putting on the armour is simply about obedience. Obedience to God. Because life doesn't always look or feel like a victory, does it? Mine doesn't. Maybe yours Maybe yours does. But in warfare, you simply do what your commanding officer says. Putting on the armour is about saying to God, even in this, even though right now it doesn't feel or look like a victory, I trust you, God. I trust that you're good, even when I can't see it. Sometimes for me, I know that the best decision I can make is to choose to worship, even when the circumstances of my life would say it's not the right moment to put on a worship song and to sing gospel truth until I really, really believe it. Because, you know, I'm going to end with this. A day will come when we will see the fullness of Jesus' victory. When we will see the fullness of Jesus' victory. It won't always be like it is today. And what a day that will be, church. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 4, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And when he says our light and momentary troubles, he's not diminishing our struggles and our pain. He's not saying the battle isn't real and isn't hard. He's simply saying that it's nothing compared with the eternal glory that is assured for all followers of Jesus. Mother Teresa put it like this, that when we're in eternal glory, we'll look back on our life on this earth as one night spent in a bad hotel. I love that. For the Christian, that day is coming. I wonder, have you ever watched the sun rise when the night is over? And a new day dawns with all its hope and its possibility. You know, that is just a shadow of what will happen when that great day comes. The promise of scripture is that a day is coming when the old things will pass away. And the night with all its darkness and pain and confusion will finally be over. And a new day will dawn. And in that day, we'll be caught up in heavenly glory. And we'll see Jesus face to face and all the unanswered questions that we have right now, that you have right now. And those things that we just don't understand right now will finally make sense. And you know, our dear brothers and sisters in Christ that we've lost in this life, we'll finally see them again. And we'll find all our answers in Jesus. And from that day on, from that day on, we'll no longer need to put on the armour of God because the battle will be over and the truth of Satan's certain defeat will be seen as it really is and King Jesus will have all the glory. 
Church, that day is coming. But now for this life, God has given us his armour to wear. Put it on. Put on the armour of God. The enemy is real. The battle is real. But God has equipped you with everything you need. Let's do all we can to fix our eyes on Jesus and stand in the truth of what he has done for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Ruth.